I think the best way to communicate is with storytelling. We can all pound the chest and talk about all the great revenue numbers, all the growth projections, all the spreadsheet mumbo jumbo. But if you're communicating with people, numbers are great, but hey, why are you here? Who are you helping? Give me an example, something tangible. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Incident Report presented by Quest Technology Management. I'm Paul Burke, Director of Technology Communications. Every week, I'm joined by VP of Sales and Partnerships, Adam Burke. The Incident Report brings you conversations with thought leaders, business innovators, and channel mavericks to help you stay productive and agile in a changing technology landscape. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Incident Report. This is episode 66. I'm half your host. My name is Paul Burke. Across from me, Adam, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Paul. And the second take this week was definitely better than the first. I think we just got to do a little warm up and let her rip. I'm feeling good. You're probably feeling good, or at least you're feeling rested because you had a crazy busy weekend. You want to share with everybody what happened? I think we're, we're going to have some cool guests on the podcast. Hopefully invites are pending, but I had the opportunity we chat about last week to help crew and pace a friend in the channel, Brandon Ivey. Daniela, Patrick Oborn, his wife, Daniela and Patrick and myself were his crew. And then Patrick and I paced him. Epic story. I will hopefully let him come tell his, his side of the story, but it was basically one of the coolest race events I've ever been to be a part of. Spoiler alert, he got his belt buckle, but uh, there's a lot more to it. And uh, looking forward to everyone hearing the story next time they're on. And I just want to say, Adam, you're, you're, you're a consummate professional because as he was making it through, as he was like finishing the race and there's tons of emotion, you know what you did, Adam? I noticed this in the video. You stepped aside. You got out of the way. You're like, no, the video camera is meant for him right now. I loved it. Thought it was a good move, Adam. Real professional. You're tired, but you're still very professional. You got to know your place, Paul, when you're in a supporting role and the dude is knocking out a hundred miles and the entire city of Leadville is losing their freaking minds as he crosses the finish line with less than 30 seconds left before the 30 hour cutoff and his children run out onto the path to get next to him. You know when to step aside, Paul. You gotta know when to step aside. That was Brandon's moment. It was awesome. There were tears. It was great. But again, we gotta let Brandon and Patrick tell their side of the story, but it was a lot of fun. Sounds like an amazing weekend. I, I can't wait to have them on the podcast talking to them. So any anything else happened this weekend, Adam? Or, or that, I guess that's enough. That kind of qualifies as an amazing weekend. Went to, uh, went to uh, some uh, partner training events this week, helping some folks learn how to sell and position and uncover opportunities with clients in cloud services and security. Something we're always seeing out there in our partner community is they're not quite sure how to start the conversation. They're not quite sure if they need to be the expert or how far they can go down with the path. So it was cool. We got to do a um, some live training exercises this weekend or this week. Good stuff going on. And we found a couple of great stories. So we're jumping over first channel E to E. Most channel partners plan to raise managed service prices soon. So this is another, the analyst firm Canalis, they conducted some research and found that 86% of partners plan to raise the managed service prices in the next six months. Only 16% said they would raise prices for new clients only and not raise them for existing clients. Adam, what, what were your thoughts as you were diving into the article? I think it has a lot, a lot to do with, well, there's, there's different cost inputs for managed service providers, right? 
the largest cost input for any business uh, typically is labor, right? So people that are helping to execute, manage, maintain, and operate systems are are costing, it's cost more to, to keep a consistent support team in place. But also some of the inputs and some of the manufacturers, as well as some of the software providers that power the managed, managed services kind of ecosystem, they've been jacking up prices to kind of match inflation and also to match some of the constraints around, around inventory, right? So we all kind of dealt with the pandemic. We all kind of saw the, what happened to the supply chain for those services. Things are getting more expensive. Energy is getting more expensive. It's getting more expensive to move things from point A to point B. All of those cost inputs, right? All those cost inputs go into what it takes to manage, maintain, and support IT operations. So software is getting more expensive. Hardware is getting more expensive. Labor is getting more expensive. Bandwidth, funny enough, is not getting more expensive. It's getting cheaper, mm. but people are subscribing to more of it, right? So as it gets, it's getting cheaper, but that, that, that delta between its, its decline in cost and its increase in utilization is kind of offsetting that. So that's kind of a wash. The nature of what everyone's dealing with right now, things are getting a little more expensive. In your conversations with businesses and organizations, as they're seeing the prices increase, are you hearing any sort of adaptation strategies to deal with the price increases on, on their part? Are they asking for less? How are they adapting? So we're seeing people get a little bit, a little more cost conscious and aware of where their reoccurring spend is going. Mm. So we're seeing people, back in the day, people used to do what was called a telecom audit right? You audit your connectivity and see like, hey, am I still paying for phone lines that I had in place three years ago that no one's using? That same concept is, is a challenge with software subscriptions. So hey, am I paying for software that I don't have end users leveraging right now? Am I getting the best deal I can on my current enterprise licensing agreements? Am I Am I oversubscribed? Am I undersubscribed? Am I getting the most out of my E5 license? For a lot of clients, in the software as a service world, we see people in the Microsoft space. Microsoft is kind of, they're a monopoly, but they're basically deciding how fast they want to take over without getting going into the courts like they had to back in the 90s for, for having a monopoly on the environment. So they're adding features, but slowly. And you look at the E5, E3 licenses, there's some amazing capabilities that people are like already subscribed to. Mm -hmm. That I think that I think they're looking at, like, hey, do I really need to, do I really need to diversify, or can I get more out of maybe subscriptions I already have in place right now? So in a way, it's kind of like looking at your Netflix, HBO subscription, your Amazon Prime, and saying, like, do I need all of these services? Can I get rid of Peacock? But do I need the Roku paid service as well? Yeah, like the, the Sylvester Stallone move show or whatever on, on Paramount Plus where he's the, I don't know, the, the king of Oklahoma or whatever. It's, it's cute. It's a good show. But is it worth five bucks a month? I don't know. I don't know. You got you to gotta do some soul searching and, and find that out. I know it's very common for people to jump services. Like one month, they binge all the HBO they can. And then they put that on a freeze. And then they go and binge all the Netflix they can. They put that on a freeze. Do you see that in a way in businesses and organizations doing something comparable where it's they're, they're jumping in kind of like doing as much as they can with that managed service and then maybe 
swapping out for another one the next month or six months down the road? Yeah, well, I think I think our friends in the in the large software organizations they're a little bit stickier than that. I think for supporting services, maybe for like for things that are non-core, but you don't just change your operating system, you don't just change your communication platform, you don't just change your your phone system. Those are all things that have been subscription. They've been created into subscription agreements, right? Mm-hmm. But those those are big multi-year lifts that take a long time, and and you always hear about. You always hear about hybrid cloud and like, hey, I'm going to put a workload in AWS. I'm going to put a workload in G Suite. And I'm going to put a workload in Azure. I think that's pretty rare compared to I'm going to have some stuff backed up or some stuff hosted and supported in the cloud with some on-premise or some legacy environment. I, the multi-cloud stuff, a little mm-hmm. bit, maybe when you say multi-cloud, it's I'm subscribing to a SaaS application that's hosted in AWS. That's definitely a possibility, but like I'm, but I don't see a ton of organizations moving their core infrastructure and their core applications that they control from one cloud environment to another from a cost optimization standpoint. I had not seen a lot of that happening. Okay. You know, that annoying student that always asks a lot of questions and the teacher's like, I just want to move on to something else. I'm kind yeah. of, I'm kind of that right now, Adam, because I have one more question. I'm wondering is there any service within all the managed services that has had the biggest price bump or is it across across all the different services a pretty average increase it's pretty consistent across the board and i I think depending on what consultant the boardroom at any given SaaS provider is listening to they're going to modify their price point based on the the the, I guess the elasticity or the inelasticity of their customers, right? Mm. So how to- how tolerant are your customers going to be, right? We're in sales and we have sales tracking and, and recognition software. And there's there's software out there that you can pay for that will give your sales rep extra recognition or extra visibility in their pipeline. And it's not core to the business, Right, it's it's a nice to have. It's a good thing. It's a it, it makes your sales reps feel good. It's a cool feature, but if they raise that twenty percent, I guarantee you that platform's gone and mm-hmm. no one's paying that bill. However, we all saw what Microsoft did last year with the new customer experience NCE, where they basically said, "Hey guys, I know we've been month to month on all this stuff for a long time. We need you to move to you know the new commerce experience NCE, and it's an annual commitment." Mm-hmm. Uh, or you're going to pay 20% more. And a lot of people built have built their enterprise and have built their businesses around Microsoft. Not a lot of people, some people squawked and some people got fired up, but everyone, but the, the elasticity of that demand and the customers being kind of stuck, Microsoft knew what they were doing. They knew not everyone's migrating off. You don't migrate off in a year from Microsoft. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen. So they were able to capture maybe additional value from their from their subscribers. Whereas someone who's paying for a nice to have feature, if you jack up that, re- that reoccurring revenue model, it's like we were just talking about, hey, Stallone's great and The King of Tulsa is a cool show, but if you go from five bucks to eight bucks a month, you're, you might they might be pulling the plug on, on Paramount Plus. And like you said, you don't just leave Microsoft. It's a lot like being in the mob. Microsoft blood in, Microsoft blood out. Yeah, kind of, a little bit, could be. I yeah. might edit that part out. Should I edit that part out? Nah, leave it in. Let it ride. All right. Let, Let it ride. ride. Yeah. Let's jump over to channelfutures.com. 
Are you building thought leadership, Adam, for your brand, or are you just following the crowd? Consider story leadership to build a brand. This is right up my alley, Adam. I enjoy a good story. What were you thinking about this? Facts and figures versus weaving a story. I think, I think the best way to communicate is with storytelling. We can all pound the chest and talk about all the great revenue numbers, all the growth projections, all the spreadsheet mumbo jumbo. But if you're, if you're communicating with people, and this is a channel article, right? So if you're communicating with people in the channel, numbers are great, but hey, the fact that you grew 35% last year, or you're a 200 or $300 million company or whatever you might be, that doesn't really land with anyone like, okay, cool. But why, like, why are you here? Who are you helping? Give me an example, something, something tangible. I couldn't agree with that more as far as telling that story, communicating why you're there, who you're, who you're helping. I think that's much better than saying, even in the article, it says like, if you tell a story that demonstrates how you take care of the customer is much more impactful to your sales team, to your partners. And just saying, oh yeah, we're a customer first or customer centric or whatever milk toast statement you want to have about that kind of thing. And I think one of the reasons stories work so well is because we all see ourselves in this story. We kind of place ourselves as the lead character. So if this character is dealing with stress and then this customer centric business comes along is able to help them, they can see themselves as that character. So it grabs their attention. It seems very relevant to their own situation. And I, I talk to our reps all the time because Request does a lot of different things, right? We have building blocks upon building blocks. But if you don't have a story to describe, you know, that building block, like one story I've told probably a million times, and I would love to tell this story about our technical on-call support because it kind of highlights the capabilities of the team. Mm -hmm. And the idea that as long as you have a willingness to try to help, you can get a lot of things done. A lot of people kind of have self-limiting beliefs, but like with talks, for example, we had an organization who called us on a Friday afternoon and the following Monday, they really needed to have a senior level network engineer, something called a CCIE, something that takes years to get very senior level network engineer in, in the Cisco space. But typically for Quest, yeah, sure. No problem. You need that person in Dallas, you need that person in Atlanta, you need that person in, in Chicago. Where, where do you need the CCIE? Oh, we need them in Perth, Australia, mm. right? And so rather than saying, oh, I'm sorry, I don't even really know where Perth, Australia is. Our team, by the way, if you don't know, it's on the, it's on the West Coast of Australia, Southwest. We were able to say, okay, no problem. When you need them there, how long do you need them there? What do you need them to be doing? And so our technical on-call support team went into our bench, looked into our skill sets, found someone who could be there at that time, right? We made a couple calls and we had a senior level network engineer, CCIE certified Cisco engineer at a rail yard in Perth, Australia, the following Monday. Hmm. And that's a great story. And I've been on a lot of capability review calls and I tell that story a lot, mainly because it's, it's really about how can you help the customer? What are they trying to do? And do we have the skill sets available to do it? There's a million ways we could have said, no, no, we don't have a CCIE in Australia. No, we don't have any partners in Australia. And you know, it's Friday. I'm not quite sure we can get someone there on Monday. Just by telling that story, you can communicate, okay, one, it was Friday and everyone's getting ready for the barbecue on the weekend. Mm -hmm. Two, it's in a different country. How are we going to bill for it? 
three, not quite sure we can get them there by Monday. There's a million different ways you could have just checked out, but our team didn't. And we helped the customer get someone on site, senior level resource. So stories really, really matter when you're trying to convey multiple messages at the same time. If you tell the best story sometimes in sales, you, you can definitely change the game. We go around and say, how can we help? That is a great example of how can we help. And I think that's a great way of like immediately connecting with that person and having a relevance to their situation. Yeah. How can we help? I think is part of it is definitely the, that's definitely the entry. But like you said, you can prove it by, by, by walking a client through that idea. You can prove it by walking them through that, through that example. Another important piece the article touches on, Adam, is that if you start telling stories to customers, you can almost be a curator for information that could be perceived as extremely helpful for their situation. It gets the dialogue going. Sometimes you just got to, sometimes you got to shake, shake the conversation loose. Everyone's kind of not quite sure what to talk about or how to kind of start the conversation around infrastructure or security or policies or things like that. You can tell a market story. You can tell a story of something that happened to a, an adjacent organization, a similar organization. Doesn't have to be you, doesn't have to be them. It can kind of just get the, get the wheels turning. Because at the end of the day, when you're in these sales situations, you really want to get the customer to tell you what they're trying to achieve. We can all tell stories to our blue in the face and get the pitch going. But if they don't share with you what they're trying to achieve, you're kind of shooting in the dark. So telling a story in an applicable or a tangential vertical or something like that can really help shake it loose, get the conversation going. I think that's a, that's a, great, that's a great point. Love it. So Adam, what's coming up this week? What's happening with Quest? What should people know? Yes. So we have the partner forum coming up on the 30th. So if you have not registered for the partner forum, you definitely should. It's a great opportunity. We're going to have Mike Dillon on this week or this month going over some of the trends we're seeing in cybersecurity, policy creation, cybersecurity insurance, all that kind of good stuff right from the front lines. Mike's in that world every single day. So he's going to be joining us on the partner forum. Also, you get to chat with our team if you'd like to listen or like to join. We got some Q&A and we have some live feedback. It's a pretty, pretty good time. Uh, so that's, that's what we got coming up immediately around the bend, Paul. And that forum, that sounds like it's worth hundreds, if not thousands of dollars of information. So I imagine the ticket price very high for that. Paul, it is, it is priceless. Yeah. It's priceless information mm -hmm. and there is no price to attend. It's priceless. What? Are you saying it's free? Yes. It is free, Paul. It is free, 90 free. And really partners have a great time. We kind of talk about what we're seeing, what we've been experiencing, kind of do some of that. It's a good time. That's fantastic. And as somebody who's watched and been a part of it, I can say you guys put together a really good presentation. So if you'd like to sign up, Link in the description. Adam, thank you so much for joining us, sharing your insights. Everybody listening, thank you for being here. We hope you have a great week. See you next time. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week. Thanks so much for listening. The Incident Report is brought to you by Quest Technology Management. With over 40 years of experience, Quest is a leading technology integrator working seamlessly with your staff and systems to achieve your IT goals. Learn more about everything they do at questsys.com. And if you have questions or suggestions for the podcast, you can always email Adam and myself at theincidentreport at questsys.com. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time.